Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In the squadron, they called him Bullets. But we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, breaking news, breaking news. Um, Donald Trump just said something in court, in court. We can't hear it, but he just stood up and he tried to make a closing argument in this ridiculous case against him. And the judge, you know, the judge is a total freak. This guy, Judge Engeron, with the uh, Bozo the Clown shirts and the weird smiles and the the bizarre habits and uh, the shirtless pics for his little uh, high school reunion group and just very, very strange stuff. Um, and what do we have here? All right, I've got a couple of quotes from what he just said in court. Um, he says, let's see here. He's, we have what the judge says to him. Judge, <clears throat> you have your own agenda. I understand that. Mr. Keis, please control your client. Trump, Your Honor, look, I did nothing wrong. They should pay me for what we had to go through. All right, and then what we've done, what they've done to me reputationally and everything else. You're damn right. You're damn right about that. The judge, control your client. What's the big deal? You're afraid of what the, what he has to say? He wasn't jumping over, uh, jumping over the judge's desk trying to tackle the judge. He can't say stuff. He can't say that the whole damn thing is a sham. Why not? I think you're allowed to say kind of whatever you want in America, right? Weren't you allowed to do that? Especially if so much is on the line. They're trying to take away his business. $24 million Mar-a-Lago is valued at. $24 million, according to Letitia the Dumbo James. What does he call her again? Letitia Peekaboo James. Letitia Peekaboo James knows nothing about real estate. I don't know that much about real estate myself, but I am literate. And there is a time when I actually looked at the business section of the New York Times, and sometimes I peruse the real estate section of the Wall Street Journal. And it was about 15 years ago, maybe a little bit longer. I, I was in Washington, D.C. for four years, and I moved back to, DC, to New York City. It's 2007. And I was um, kind of fascinated with what buildings, two things, how old they were. And I developed a little, um, the ability. I can tell you basically by looking how old a building is. 99% of the time, I'm going to get it within a year. And it doesn't matter if the building is uh, two years old or 150 years old. I can tell. And the other thing is, oh, how much a building costs. Now, I'm not saying I've got the best uh, – Yeah, I, I, I don't know necessarily what a building costs. Of course not. That's an art, not a science. But I was very intrigued. I developed a bit of a, well, you know, an amateurish ability about this stuff because in 2007, uh, Jared Kushner, before he met the Trumps, bought 666 Fifth Avenue for over a billion dollars. A billion dollars. That was a big, big, big deal. And 
it got a lot of attention. I was like, wow. And then, and then all of a sudden buildings and I just always noted that. And I always kind of had the fantasy in my head. Wouldn't it be great to own a building? You know, it would just be quite a cool to own a building. I own that skyscraper. I think that that would be very, very cool. Anyway, uh, what happened is that she comes out and says that 40 Wall Street, Donald Trump said it was worth in his financials $400 million or something like that. And she said uh, appraisers actually put it at $140 million. I think that was actually the number. Yeah, 400 versus Trump says it's worth 400, but the appraiser said it was worth 140. So therefore, it must be worth 140. 40 Wall Street is an iconic building. It's one of the uh, kind of great Art Deco buildings of lower Manhattan. It's one of the tallest buildings uh, in New York City. And there's no way that that building was only worth $140 million. No way in hell. And I knew that. And I there's Letitia Peekaboo James running around telling everybody what that building is actually valued, in her opinion. She's wrong. And you can look this stuff up. It's actually, th- this is one of the things he's being sued over, that he overvalued 40 Wall Street. And he didn't. And I did, what I what did I do? I did the comps. I ran the comps. I found a bunch of buildings that same year. I think the year, the key year was 2012, what he was valuing these things. And the comparables, like the Helmsley building, that went with $432 million. 520 Madison Avenue, which is a nondescript building, you would never really look twice at it. It's not iconic like 40 Wall Street. Went for over $500 million. So this was very, very much in line with other buildings. Well, what about the square footage? <coughs> the square footage would vary. But you have, to, you have to take into account the intangibles, the reputation, the the Art Deco. What's the matter with the Art Deco? Anybody remember Pritzi's honor? So he's being... So screwed over right now, and I feel so privileged to be able to, I don't know, that I came back to New York in 2007, that at times in my life, I have been the odd man out, that at times in my life, I've been in the in crowd and on the out crowd, and I just, and that I read that newspaper that day in 2007 and was intrigued by Jared Kushner and buying that thing, and he also bought a newspaper, and dwelling on it, just pondering it, 666 Sixth Avenue, which I knew well as a kid, top of the sixes. That was a big deal building. Anyway, that's what I have to say about that. You know he's getting screwed. I know he's getting screwed. The voters know it. The media, I don't understand what changed them. Why is Maggie Haberman, who by all appearances is a slick, not slick, savvy. She's a savvy New Yorker. Been around, right? I think it's all about ingratiating herself to uh, men who are older than her, like editors or something like that. They get into the habit of trying to impress editors. And even when those editors are gone and you're the editor, maybe you're just trying to impress people who are no longer there. She has been as wrong as wrong can be about Trump and so much else. And for a brief shining moment there, when I encountered her back in 2001 and 2002, when I was a beat political reporter covering City Hall for New York One News, can't believe she's fallen for all this fake news crap. I also can't believe that she writes the wildly inaccurate books full of mistakes. Unbelievable, full of all kinds of provable mistakes. Number one thing you got to understand about the media, they are lazy. They don't want to break a sweat. 
and they still want maximum uh, attention. They want attention. That's what they crave. And they don't get it like they used to on Twitter. They don't quite get it like they used to. So they're in a weird spot. Uh, let me go to Russ for a second. Hello, Russ. Oh, hi, Greg. Hey, that Sandra is a tough act to follow, those juicy tips. She was on a long time ago. What do you got? Oh, I just want to know if, if, you know, my day is coming, if it's today I can talk about, you know, what happened with Captain Berg. Your show two days ago was terrific. I want to know if you think Captain Berg is going to be indicted as part of Trump's, you know, perceived retaliation campaign, accountability. Well, leave Trump out of it for a moment, all right? There have been cases before where, you know, a, a, a... a cheap, corrupt police department will conduct a cursory investigation and nobody will get arrested. And then decades later, there will actually be an arrest and a trial. And you know what comes to mind there, Russ? Emmett Till. Remember that? He whistled at the white lady and uh, got tortured and strung up from a tree. And the old sheriff uh, went poking around and didn't see any wrongdoing from the good old boys. And everybody just went on, life as usual. Well, a few decades later, about 30 or 40 years later, some ethical people started looking at that and said, you know what, this is an incredible injustice and people need to pay. And they made arrests, and I believe a couple of people were convicted. So I hope something like that happens to uh, to Captain Bird. I hope it doesn't take decades. I no, hope it doesn't take decades. It should take. And now, Russ, I know you're anti-Trump. I know you're kind of anti-me. I know you've got this, that, and the other beef with uh, things that I – how I perceive things, but you watched the show the other night. Let me ask you something. Do you think that that was a justified shooting that Captain Bird, Lieutenant Bird, he was promoted, by the way. Wow, unbelievable. That Lieutenant Bird, that was an authorized just shooting of Ashley Babbitt. Do you believe that? Of course not, especially since he discharged his gun. The Capitol Police should never have given him a gun again. But that's why I like Adam. I disagree with Adam, but he gives a good, keen insight. I don't know about Adam. Who's Adam? I mean, actually, Russ, i got to tell you, man, I am surprised and impressed. Because sometimes you come off like this, uh, you know, very partisan, knee-jerk, anti-Trump, anti-me, anti-anything. But I am impressed that you have, uh, you know, discarded all of that and you're looking at it objectively. So uh, good for you on that one. Good for you. And but but by the way, Russ, I mean, really, when you look at it, when you really study it and think about it, the conclusion that you've arrived at and I've arrived at, there really is no other conclusion. The other conclusion is based on emotion. You must be emotional. Well, she was trying to overthrow the government. Well, no, she wasn't. But besides the fact, it doesn't matter whatever her intentions were. You're not allowed to shoot based on what you think might have been in her head. Right. Absolutely. And you helped me come to that conclusion. But you know what? With Tom Landry, did he ever take off that Columbine-style trench coat? <laughs> Thanks a lot, All right, Greg. see you later. He's <laughs> always he's got to get a little... <laughs> I don't... <coughs> Excuse me. I don't remember the trench coat. I don't. Oh, but one more thing. Um, Nancy Pelosi, I thought she quit the Congress, but she's still hanging around. So she quits the speaker job, but she's still a member of Congress. And she's still embarrassing herself, appearing drunk on television. Cut 33. But he has been great, and he has a vision for a country that is 
consistent with what our founders had as a vision. It has knowledge, and again, it honors that vision. It honors the sacrifice of our men and women in uniform, mm -hmm. and it, it again uh, respects the aspirations of our children to go forward. So he has a vision. He has knowledge of the issues. He has strategic thinking about legislating, mm -hmm. all in the head. Right. In the heart, he is the most empathetic, and he's the most empathetic uh, person in the, I mean, he just really identifies with working families. This is Nancy Pelosi speaking about Joe Biden. Something about the men and women in uniform. Wow, the most empathetic person with working families. This is uh, Joe, you ain't black, Biden. <laughs> and then Jill showed up. Not only is Joe empathetic and isn't he, he's a workaholic, but he's also a, a steady cucumber, according to Jill. Cut 34. I see that strength and that resilience and that steadiness every single day. Wow. And he's unflappable. And when I look at the man, you know, his integrity, his character has not changed. And he's unwavering. He's unflappable. Well, maybe his, yeah, his character has not changed. He's still a lying, degenerate lowlife. Thank you, Jill. A little bit of honesty there. Be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know how many Emmy Awards I've won? Uh, let me think here. Um... Zero. Um, I take a lot of pride in that. Number one, do you know that you have to apply to get an Emmy? It's like applying to college. You got to like stamp your, you got to submit the work. You got to write an essay. You got to fill out all this crap. And I, I think it's like $175, maybe even a thousand dollar fee that you actually have to. And sometimes the station pays. A lot of times they don't. So I've never um, bothered with it. So those people, a lot of them who are winning the Emmys, it's like, it's just a, it's, it's like a racket, like most of life, a good chunk of life. Uh, now look at this. ESPN operated ESPN. Do you know what the E in ESPN stands for? Entertainment. Entertainment, right? Yep. Yeah. Entertainment Sports Network, um, operated a 13 year Emmy scheme using fake names to get awards for top talent. Huh? Um, ESPN says, some members of our team were clearly wrong in submitting certain names that may go all the way back to 1997 in Emmy categories where they were not eligible for recognition or statuettes. This was a misguided attempt to recognize on-air individuals who were important members of our production team, ESPN said, 
In a statement to the Post, one current leadership, once current leadership was made aware, we apologize to the NATAS. Is that the, uh, that's the National Academy for Television, Arts and Sciences, I think, the Emmy people. I'm not a big fan of them either. Uh, for violating guidelines and worked closely with them to completely overhaul our submission process to safeguard against anything like this happening again. Well, how about taking those Emmys away from all those guys? ESPN had operated the scheme since 2010 by getting awards for fake individuals, re-engraving the statuettes, and then delivering them to their on-air personalities. My goodness gracious. Stars such as Lee Corso, Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, anybody know who these people are? Desmond Howard and Samantha Ponder, I did hear of her, were among those to receive the fake Emmys with The Athletic, I think that's the New York Times sports arm, noting the on-air talent was not in on the scheme or aware that the Emmys were not real. Here's a fake Emmy. Goodness gracious. I I, I don't know. When people put that on their resume, uh, 10 Emmys, zero Emmys. Or then they sometimes write Emmy nominated, nominated for an Emmy. Um, no interest. I noticed this at my first TV station. Everybody was running around sucking up a lot of time, a lot of resources, so they could submit their work for consideration by, I think it was the Associated Press. Everybody wanted an award from the Associated Press, which I think they judged the most boring report must be the most serious, therefore the best, and that person got the award. Um, and you, you know who probably won an Emmy in her day? I have mixed feelings about her. Sometimes I'm positive, sometimes very negative. Um, Marsha Kramer, CBS two. She's been around. She used to write for the daily news. Listen to her. This is in 2022 report on the, um, the beautiful conditions for the migrants when they get here. Cut 17. The new relief center has everything, every service, reception rooms to get advice, a cafeteria that will serve three meals a day with a rotating menu of South American dishes, recreation rooms with televisions, Wi-Fi, phones to call relatives back home, even game tables. There are also laundry rooms, bathrooms and showers, and a dormitory tent. First thing we're going to do is have one of our staff members go outside to greet you. We're going to offer you food, snacks, water. You've come a long way. Your clothes are probably dirty. You probably haven't showered in some time. That's not the right mental state to be in to determine where you want to be for the next several years of your life. Several years? They're illegal. Send them back. You see this? Who wouldn't want to make the trip and be welcomed by some butler with uh, snacks and a bathrobe? This is better messaging when it comes to illegal migrants. This is the deal under Trump. Cut 16. Trump administration and Republicans separated children from their parents at the border, threw kids in cages, and made families sleep under aluminum foil. We saw kids in cages sleeping on the floor. Very easily arguable that it's morally wrong. Kids in cages, not okay. We've got kids in cages on the border. We've got people in in prisons when they're trying to seek asylum. It's not right. It's beyond politics. It's about right and wrong. What was a better situation then or what we have on our hands now? Hmm? Now, by the way, all those reporters, all those politicians, they were misrepresenting the situation, okay? Totally. And trying to horrify people. But nevertheless, there was an element of truth in it, right? You come to America illegally, you're breaking the law, you're going to go to jail. And uh, that was much more effective policy and messaging than anything we're seeing right now. 
Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is pretty cool. Trump is about to speak at Trump Tower. He's being introduced by Alina Haba, his very capable and beautiful attorney. Uh, let's listen, please. President's lawyer. Innocent defendants, the organization, and every employee of the Trump Organization, which has single-handedly changed the New York skyline, including the building we are in today. These are special properties. Real estate is an art, not a science. But you know what else is an art? You know what else isn't a science? Political motivated individuals. She's using this to paint a canvas that Donald Trump is a fraudster. Okay, so of course, what's happening here ahead of the president speaking there at his oh, building man. 40 Wall Street? You see what they do? Uh, I, damn it, I got to rely on these silly cable channels to give us the, uh, and they won't let her speak. See how they cut over it? I want to hear from the president's attorney. All right, now they're going to have to let him speak, right? Right? All right, he's about to, uh, she's getting out of the way, so then the networks will take it on this one occasion. Hopefully they don't interrupt him. Damn it. See what they do? All right. Just go right back to the thing that you already had. Extremely friendly with the group. And we'll see uh, what happens. I think maybe he uh, may surprise people on a positive side. We'll have to see what happens exactly. But uh, we've proven this case so conclusively. Uh, We've asked for directed verdict many times. Uh, they don't have any facts. They don't have any evidence against us. Millions and millions of pages, years of litigation, and all politically motivated. She campaigned on a I will get Trump. If you've ever seen any of the uh, seen any of her clips, they're horrible clips, actually. The anger. She's got serious Trump derangement syndrome. There's no question about Letitia James, the corrupt attorney general of New York. So we've proven our case. There's not one witness against us other than one person who is a, a deranged. He's got a lot of problems. He's a man who's uh, been convicted of lying. He's a felon, convicted felon, and uh, not a good person. But that's their only witness, and he's now crashed and burned. They have no witnesses. And by the way, that witness took back everything that he said. He took back everything he said in court, took it all back. So they have no case. It's a shame that a thing like this is able to happen. Uh, Businesses leave New York. Uh, She went after Exxon, and they decided to move to Texas. And uh, hundreds of millions of dollars they pay in taxes. I paid over $300 million of taxes over the last number of years. $300 million. And uh, they don't recognize that. They don't recognize anything. So not think of it. Not one witness... Millions of pages of document, years of this nonsense, and now it goes on. And one other factor, we won this case already in the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals voted in favor of us. But this judge has been very, very slow to accept that opinion because that's not the opinion that he wants. But we won in the Court of Appeals. That's the boss of this judge. He has to know that. And it was a conclusive victory, statute of limitations and other things. And that case has already been won. So uh, that's the story. And I thought we'd come down to 40 Wall Street, which is a great building. And you'd get a chance to see one of the nicest buildings in New York and a convenient place. And I don't have to pay any rent because we have it. And it's been a very successful building. But it's a shame to 
have to have gone through this for years and years and years. And now we'll see if we're going to get an honest verdict. We didn't have a jury. We had no rights to a jury. It's a statute that's never been used before for a purpose like this. I just watched a certain broadcast and they said, you know, they've been looking. Has it ever been used before? This is a statute that's a consumer fraud statute. Never been used for anything like this before. And it's a shame. It's uh, it's really a uh, it's a witch hunt in the truest sense of the word. It's election interference. And uh, it just came out. I this was just right now. Letitia James visited Joe Biden in the White House numerous times during the Trump witch hunt. And this just came out about 10 minutes ago. I got it. And so it's all it's all a conspiracy to try and get Biden, who can't put two sentences together, trying to get him into office. So I just want to let you know that uh, we have our best poll numbers. We have the best everything despite this and maybe because of this, because the people of the United States, all of those people back there. But the people of the United States really get it. They get it better than anybody else. Yeah, please. Mr. President, do you agree with your lawyers what they said on Tuesday that you should not be prosecuted or could not be prosecuted if you ordered Seal Team 6 to kill a political officer? Well, you're talking about a totally different case, the immunity. I say this. On immunity, very simple, if a president of the United States does not have immunity, he'll be totally ineffective because he won't be able to do anything because it will mean he'll be prosecuted, strongly prosecuted, perhaps, uh, as soon as he leaves office by his by the opposing party. So a president of the United States, I'm not talking just me, I'm talking any president has to have immunity. As an example, Biden could come out and you could get him on the border. You could get him on what happened in Afghanistan, a horrible, most embarrassing moment in the history of this country. You could get him on a lot of different things. You could get him taking cash from countries. You could get him on the prosecutor, not prosecuting his son or the company or whoever it was, Burisma, uh, in in Ukraine. You could get him on that, uh, where he it was a quid pro quo, if you remember that. Uh, if they don't drop the prosecutor, we're not giving them a billion dollars of U.S. funds. Uh, if you don't have immunity, you can, you know, I mean, you won't be making any decisions. So you have to have it. And I like it to the, fa the fact that uh, police have to have their control back. They have to have respect. And you can always have a bad apple. You can always have something happen. But at the same time, you have to you have to stop crime in this country. It's very much like that. It's very similar to that. But you have to have immunity for a president. And I think most people are seeing that. I've read a lot of legal reports lately and scholarly reports that are saying you really have to have a president of this country has to have immunity or they're not going to be able to function in office. Yeah, Bob. President Trump. We're just days away from the Iowa caucuses. What percentage of your time these days is spent on your campaign? And what percentage is spent on your legal issues? Well, see, my legal issues, every one of them, everyone, civil and the criminal ones, are all set up by Joe Biden, crooked Joe Biden. This is something that's never happened in this country. Even when you look at this, this is all about Biden and her meeting. So even the civil ones, this is civil, they're set up by Biden. Uh, every single just about case that I'm involved in is set up by Biden. They're doing it for election interference. And in a way, I guess you'd consider it part of the campaign, because if you really look at it, they are doing this. It's never been done like this in this country. It's like we're a third world country, a banana republic. But every one of the things that you write about are Biden indictments. 
And uh, I don't know, you know, I just got a poll. We just had a poll. It just came out, and we're leading massively in Iowa. We're leading very big in New Hampshire. We're leading because the people understand this stuff. These are all set up. Every time somebody sees me in court, remember, Joe Biden and his thugs that surround him did it. They're trying to get a man in office that can't put two sentences together, and they're doing that. But so far, we seem to do very well. You have the Iowa caucuses Monday, an event in New Hampshire Tuesday. Are you going to be back in court for the Eugene Carroll case on Wednesday? Yeah, well, that's another one. That's uh, <laughs> sponsored by Reed Hoffman and some Democrat operatives. I never saw this woman in my life other than they have a picture with her and her husband, uh, John Johnson, a nice guy who was a newscaster many years ago. I remember him, and she said horrible things about him uh, since. I mean, horrible, horrible things, called him bad names. Uh, I have no idea who this woman is. I have absolutely no idea. The whole thing is ridiculous that this is even a case. This should never have happened. But again, this is sponsored by the Democrats. It's another case. All sponsored by it's a demeaning kind of a thing, and that's what they want to do. It's called election interference. And yeah, I'm going to go to it, and I'm going to explain. I don't know who the hell she is. I have no idea. They called me up years ago. And they said, do you know about this woman 25 or 30 years ago? She doesn't even know the date, the time, the month, the season. She has no idea. And if you read it, if you watch, take a look at the Anderson Cooper interview of her. And if you take a look at that, Trump is so innocent. But we have been given a very unfair trial there, too. I don't get very fair trials in New York. Have you made a decision about whether you're going to show up for the federal trial? You've showed up here in New York for your civil fraud trial. You've, you've just said you're going to show up for the E.G. Carroll case. Are you planning to show up in court yeah. when they begin, whenever they begin? Sure, the, the sure. documents case? I, I would do that. Well, the documents case, I just hear where they want to try and exonerate Biden, and he didn't have the Presidential Records Act, and I do. What I did, nothing wrong. What he did... A lot of people say substantially wrong. Uh, you can't have two tiers of justice in this country. But no, I want to go to all of my trials. These are all, again, these are all set up by Biden and the Democrats. This is, they are, this is their new form of cheating. This is, like last time, this is their new form of cheating. So far, I think it's gone very much against them. Yeah, please. Uh, yes, during the hearing, you said that Exxon left New York because of the New York Attorney General's case. but. She actually, uh, Exxon actually left in 1989. No, they took took the rest of their divisions out. They They left earlier. They were treated very badly in New York. You could have had them in New York. They could have been paying a lot of money. Uh, But it wasn't Letitia James. No, I think uh, if you take a look, you read the case, study the case, you'll see that they took big divisions out after that. They originally left, and then they took the rest out. You just said you're going to, you could get President Biden on various issues you outlined. I didn't say I could get him on anything. I said he is using the weaponization of the DOJ and the FBI to go after his political opponent. And you just can't do that. Thank thank you very much. Well, good for him. Good for him. Absolutely, man. <laughs> um, it's amazing what's going down. It really is. And uh, the new form of cheating, I totally see that, don't you? A couple of things there. The E. Jean Carroll case, yeah, that doesn't get enough attention. You know, he deserves to go to these hearings. He's going to these hearings. A guilty man would not be running around going to these hearings. 
actually, <laughs> if they could be avoided, and some of them can be avoided, he wouldn't want to go. But he wants to go because he knows he's innocent, and he wants to make sure that case is being made, and sometimes he personally, when allowed, wants to make that case. Good for him. Good for him. Let's see here. What else? You know, I did hear earlier he said something about Exxon was chased out of uh, New York by by Letitia James, and they're saying, well, actually, uh, Exxon, we looked it up, left in 1989. You know, corporate governance, all that stuff is kind of complex, all right? And in about eight seconds, I saw Letitia James in March of 2022 celebrating uh, that the U.S. They, they were actually representing. They wanted. They were adversaries of New York, adversaries of of Exxon. New York Attorney General Letitia James released the following statement in response to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit's decision to reject Exxon Mobil's attempts to sue the New York Attorney General over previous litigation that the Attorney General's office filed against Exxon. We are pleased with the Second Circuit's decision today, which rejected ExxonMobil's baseless attempts to challenge state law enforcement efforts. We will continue our efforts to protect New York consumers and investors from any harm. In March 2018, the U.S. District Court for Southern District of New York rejected a lawsuit that Exxon filed against New York, claiming that the state discriminated against Exxon and violated the company's constitutional rights. Exxon appealed that decision to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit, which today rejected that appeal and again dismissed Exxon's attempts to sue the state. So Exxon's opponent in that was Letitia James. All right. So they're always trying to. <laughs> no, he was not. Re- no, no, he was. He was. He was absolutely. Uh, New York. Uh, New York loses climate. Yeah. They also had New York loses climate change fraud case against Exxon Mobil. A New York State judge. Anyway, forget that. He was right on the on the substance, on the gist. And that E. Jean Carroll, he's right. That Anderson Cooper, where she's openly fantasizing about rape and how sexy it is. What a sick person. Mimi, hello. Hi, Greg. Um, I want to say that uh, Senator Schumer uh, got the New York State scholarship. He got hundreds on the SAT. He got a high-caliber education, New York City education. And he doesn't want these kids to get a high-caliber education. He expelled them from uh, from their high school. And he has an office on, uh, I think, 7th Avenue. He sees all the immigrants living on the streets. He's doing nothing about it. And... Um, that's all I have to say. I think all your listeners should overwhelm Senator Schumer's office, Senator uh, Whitehouse's office. I called him a couple of years ago when Obama was sending all of these people over the border. He said, we can take care of our citizens and we can take care of our immigrants coming over. Well, he's very wrong. And uh, we're all suffering about it. And all your callers should call um, Senator Schumer, Senator Whitehouse, and the other senator. I forgot her name. All right. She's saying nothing. I agree, Senator Gillibrand. And you know what, though? You know what I like to point out, Mimi? You follow up with the letter as well. A phone call, you know, it, there's no record of it. It disappears into the ether. It doesn't, it doesn't move the needle. Yeah, you can. I, I'm not saying don't call, but I'm also saying you got to write letters. Letters have a uh, – it's interesting when you put thing on pen and paper and they kind of it's – a, it's a game changer. You know, it's easier to make a phone call. I get that. But you got you to gotta write a letter. Mimi, thank you. You're right. He got his first-rate education. He got his, 
and uh, screw everybody else. Chuck Schumer, you really should be ashamed of yourself. What has become of you? Is it really worth it? Huh? Is it? Is it? What's so special? What are you doing this for? Huh? A couple of offices getting on Meet the Press every now and then? What is it? What gets you off? Is it just the camera? Is it? Is that it? I don't know. Thank you. Francis, real quick. Hello? Yeah, Greg, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I want to know something. Are you really going to run for mayor? Francis. Francis. Yeah, you're the guy who always calls and shouts banana peels for some reason, right? Um, I want to know if you're really going to run for uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably not, but maybe. What? Is it? Is that some some dirty word? Say it in English. He can't, ooh, it is a dirty word. I can't tell if he's friend or foe. He is definitely a freak. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, remember Rand Paul, a senator from Kentucky? He's teasing something. Is he going to run for president? That would be uh, weird. He went nowhere. He ran once before in 2016. Anyway, E. Jean Carroll, there's a matter. That's coming up next week. And um, <laughs> I'm reminded what a nutbag uh, E. Jean Carroll is. And I think she's drunk and or high on pills every time she shows up in front of the media. Remember, she's the woman who alleges that uh, Trump assaulted her sexually in Bergdorf Goodman sometime in the 90s. She has no evidence whatsoever, none, zero. Uh, listen to what this person sounds like. Charge against Donald no. Trump for this? Why not? I would find it disrespectful to the women who are down on the border who are being raped around the clock down there. But for the women down there and for the women, actually, around the world. And it was all fairly playful. Oh, it was charming. It was yes. exciting. Remember what Donald Trump was like in 95, 96. On the counter were these fancy lingerie boxes that they used to have back in the 90s. Yeah. You wore lingerie in the 90s, I'll bet, Joy. Well, he didn't suggest it. He shouted it. He shouted Lingerie. Lingerie. He may have shouted underwear. Yeah. I, you okay. Know, okay. Were you scared? Were you no, angry? No, you... I was too panicked to be scared. Too panicked to be scared. Okay. Totally, and I put my life on the line. Do you think that you're going, well, hold on a second. What do you mean you put your life on the line? Well, people have told me I have to be careful. You've gotten death threats. I am not looking at death threats. I have the idea that I'm going to make him put it on over his pants. That was my idea. Mm -hmm. You see how funny that would be to make him put yes. that on? Yeah. I guess All right, stop, stop. It goes on like this for a long time. Finally, she says, I think rape is sexy. She says that. Most people think of it, of course, as a violent assault. No, she thinks it's uh, the, the element of fantasy. All right, I got to go in a minute. Carmine, hello. Hey, Greg, I saw both of those video clips that you shared. First, Lieutenant Byrd uh, lying through his teeth. And then, again, the Aaron Rodgers on that Pat Acme, Ac McAfee uh, program. He was stoned out of his mind. And I'm just so happy, Greg, that you are going all out for God lately. It's so encouraging. In Corinthians, it says, do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And we have to take comfort in that, that we are being renewed day by day. His grace and mercy are new every day. And it's just so nice to hear you on board. 
Wow. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> it's amazing that it says that. It really does. And it's very, it, there's a lot of hope there. Inwardly, inwardly. Carmine, thanks for everything, pal. Love you. Uh, Nate, real quick. Yeah, you really had to stop worshiping the police. This, this, this hey, Nate, 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 this is your weird beef. I don't know if you actually listen to the show. I don't think you actually do. I think you call radio stations with this, you can't support the police thing. Because my position, I mean, I can't go, we don't have the time, but no one's been more critical of the January 6th Capitol Police than I have. All right, Nate? All right, so you, this broken record routine is getting on my nerves. Many thanks to be continued.